How's it going, everybody? Rexy118 here, and today I have a very special guest, my good buddy Insane. How you doing today, Insane? Doing great. And yourself? Uh, not too bad. Not too bad. Getting over a cold right now, but it is what it is. So just that's to, never fun. Yeah, absolutely. So just to let everyone know, um, today is going to be a little explicit. Probably going to be some curses flowing around, but. The overall theme for today is the fact that we're going to talk about secrets, secrets that have yet to be really uncovered in the Destiny universe. So this episode is going to be a little bit of bouncing and ideas off of each other here, and hopefully you guys like it. So here we go. So the first secret that I want to know about is Sabathun. What, what, is, what, what is her deal? Like, is she, is she the Taken Queen? What do you think? I'm sorry, can you say that one more time? Yeah, man. Uh, Sabathun, what, what do you think her deal is? Do you think that she is the Taken Queen? Like, what, what do you think her deal is? As best as I can figure out as of right now, um, I really feel like when Oryx was killed, it did leave a big power vacuum within the uh, Hive ranks. And I think there's a really strong chance that she did fill that. Now we know that she also had, Oryx already had, also had another sister. But... I just feel like with with Bungie introducing Sabathun and bringing her up so much, she has to be the next logical plot point. She has to be the one that we're going to see next. And now knowing that Mara tried to fill the vacuum and consistently mentioning Sabathun, matter of fact, you you killed Sabathun's daughter at one point. It's safe, I think it's safe to say that her and Mara are fighting over that power. What do you what do you think her end goal is? To control the Taken and pretty much the entirety of the hive itself. So do you think that we're not gonna see Oryx's other sister come through, or is it just it's are we are we just gonna get uh, Sabathun? I'm sure we will eventually because we'll inevitably have to kill Sabathun, and I'm sure that'll hack off the third sister plenty. So the next thing that I wanna talk about is the darkness. So we've we've heard about the darkness ever since Destiny One, and I I don't they they have always said that it's something different. Now, is is it a species non non corporeal form? What, what what do you think it is? Um, honestly, the way I see it, um, a lot of the new media that we take in nowadays like to play a lot with economy. They like to talk about two sides of the same coin. So for me, I've always thought of the darkness as most likely something incredibly similar to the light only, or the traveler itself only it's mirror opposite. So do you think that they're going to have something along the lines of like dark guardians? <sighs> from a story standpoint, I think it would be really cool, but from an actual gameplay standpoint i think it would be very difficult to do and it would ultimately affect destiny and probably not in the best way gotcha so when when do you think that we're going to encounter it i know a lot of people are saying that destiny 3 is where we will encounter it but do you think do you think it's going to be at the beginning of destiny 3 or is that going to be something that they're going to hold on to until later well i mean bungie had originally signed on with activision for I think, I don't remember, I think it was four or five titles, mm -hmm. and I don't think they wanted to constrict themselves initially to a trilogy, and now that Bungie has split from Activision, and their fate is pretty much their own again, 
yeah, I could see the darkness possibly get introduced in Destiny 3, but at the same time, there's still a lot of stuff to do prior to like the penultimate battle. So, I mean, it might be within their best interest to, I don't know, save it or just give it, kind of drip feed it to you. So, a part of the darkness here, reveal kind of what it is or reveal part of it, and you have to, you know, combat that and then move on to bigger and badder things, very similar to what we've done thus far. Gotcha. Now... Speaking of the opposite, you were saying that, you know, the darkness is the the other side of the coin when it comes to the traveler. What do you ever think do you ever think that we'll ever figure out exactly what the traveler is? Like is it is it some life form? Is it a machine? What, what do you think? I think we'll probably get the answer to that. Um, personally, I think I've always thought of it as something that someone else most likely created for themselves. Given the fact what the traveler can do, it it strikes me as something of a military asset, uh, in their own form of a super soldier program. And with the way, with the way that the ghosts who, you know, I mean, they're, they're linked to the traveler, so they may not know everything. They have to know something. And most of them are inherently good it leads me to believe that the traveler most likely is sentient and most likely split from whatever race or faction or whoever it was that created it to use it for war and wanted to do something else. But at the end of the day, war is kind of inevitable. Yeah. Now, do you think that it, do you think it's ever going to speak to us again? Something, I mean, we can go along the lines of what it did in destiny Two you know, relatively the beginning where it showed us visions. Do you think it's going to do that again? Or because I personally wanted to just kind of just come out and say, Hey guys, this is what's happening. I know I've been a little quiet, but that was because I've been hurt previously or what have you. And now I'm here to help. And here's what's been going on. I mean, given the fact that they had the traveler speak to you through visions already, I cannot see a single good outcome of not having it happen again. Mm. Like, I mean, to leave that behind, to leave that possibility behind would hurt the series more than anything. So, yeah, I, I, I see the Traveler speaking to Arc Guardian in particular probably a lot. And why, do you th- why do you think that is? Why do you think, why do you think us? Uh, I mean, honestly, I think it was my, (laughs) I had a theory that I've spoken about before. I personally think that our ghost is the traveler itself. It probably just doesn't know it. Um, the fact that the, our ghost has, seems to have abilities that other ghosts don't, it's, it, it seems to know more. And it seems to be able to figure things out more. And maybe it does know it and it's placating us the entire time because, I mean, while it probably wouldn't be a good idea to let your guardian know that you are the penultimate guardian, you're the one that you're, – you're the chosen one, that would lead to hubris and, and you know, pride. And, that, I mean, that's how we got people like – Dredge and Yor, you know, we don't want those sort of things, and so I've always thought that our Guardian, there's a 
decent chance of him being the traveler, or not, I'm sorry, not our guardian, our ghost being the traveler itself. Hmm. Yeah, I've, I've brought that up a few times to some other people and they've always kind of shot me down the fact that, oh, well, other people's ghosts can do the same thing. And it's just, we don't hear about it all too often. And I totally agree with you. The fact that our, our ghost has to be something special. Because if we, the Guardian, are something special, then the ghost had to have known that we were going to be something special. Because if not, then, I'm sorry, I have to call bullshit the fact that it, 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 the ghost always seems to know, one way or another. Whenever a ghost resurrects a Guardian, they always seem to know the potential of that Guardian. May not know what's going to happen in the end. I mean, we see that with, like you said, Dredge and Yor. I'm pretty sure his ghost, when he first resurrected him, didn't know that, hey, this guy is going to kill a whole bunch of freaking people at the end of the day. I'm pretty sure he was like, hey, he's got potential for greatness. It may not be good greatness, but greatness nonetheless. Well, as, as well as you can kind of look and see, I don't, I'm not going to lie, I don't know exactly how it works. I don't think Bungie has ever explicitly stated how it worked, but you receive your power ultimately from the Traveler. The Traveler is your source of power. We saw that when Gaul cut us off from the light. Mm -hmm. So explain to me why does our Guardian seem to have vast amounts more power than others? And I know we can jump into Crucible and we can start talking about that, but at the same time, you know, that's that's more of a gameplay mechanic than it is a story concept. I know they tried to bring story to it, but a lot of game companies have begun to do that where the multiplayer has a story aspect of its own. But at the same time, you look at the game itself and it's like, you know, you've killed gods that have laid waste to entire armies of guardians. You've, I mean, with nothing but a couple of friends or you by yourself have killed the spawn of gods or the most powerful enemies that have ever walked throughout our, our system and you've laid them all down nice and easy. So why is it that they could kill hundreds of thousands of guardians, but they can't kill you? Yeah, that's that's a good point because yeah, I mean, you were you were sitting there talking about how gods have killed armies. I mean, Crota especially was known for the destruction of about like ten thousand guardians or something like that during during the the big Luna War, and you know, you, me, and couple of guys that we met online, you know, we ended up taking them down. And that's, I understand that for the story aspect, hey, yeah, you know, you got, you were able to do it. But if you just think about it in the grand scheme of things, yeah, we destroyed something that the most powerful guardians at their time, Zavala, um, who else, Zavala, Ikora, and all of them, they weren't able to do it. They couldn't do it. And yet we did it in a couple hours exactly you know and it then like i said it begs the question why us why are we so much more powerful and the ghost is your connection the ghost is your conduit to that light so you can also ask the question why our ghost why is our ghost able to channel so much power through us yeah now bife put a pretty interesting question on um on Twitter today, I'm pretty sure you didn't see it because you're not you're not much of a Twitter guy yourself. But the question was, is that we have been given visions by the Traveler, and as far as we know, the speaker, the previous speaker, didn't really talk to the Traveler. Maybe he did receive visions, but 
he, as far as we were able to see in Destiny, in the beginning of Destiny 2, in the vanilla campaign, is that he, I mean, the Traveler wasn't speaking to him. He, the speaker was talking about what the Traveler would want, not what exactly it wanted. And so, he, yeah, he was more, he was more of a preacher than anything. Right. And so Bife raised the question, since we literally have had the Traveler speak to us, would we be pretty much the best person in line to be the next speaker. Uh, that's, yeah, that's something I hadn't really thought of before. Draws a few parallels to uh, Skyrim and Oblivion, which yeah. kind of makes me laugh. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that does kind of, that does kind of make sense. I mean, you know, and I know you and I have the, uh, had the conversation before, you didn't like you just said a minute ago, um, the Vanguard was never able to do a fraction of the things we had been able to do. So, you know, why aren't we in control of the Vanguard? I mean, it's kind of the same, kind of in the same vein. It's like, you know, we receive visions from the traveler. He speaks directly to us visions or not, you know, we're able to do all of these things, all these grand things that others have been completely unable to do. So you kind of have to look at it and go, you know, shouldn't, uh, shouldn't I be the boss? <laughs> yeah, and and that's uh, an interesting thing that the the newest lore that's been coming out um, with the season of the Drifter is that Ikora and Zavala have had talks. This is in the lore the lore book um, Stolen Intelligence that they are honestly considering either stepping down as the Vanguard mentors or just completely dissolving the the Vanguard itself, because of the fact that they, like you said, they aren't contributing anywhere near the amount that, that Guardians of our time are contributing. I mean, essentially, we don't need mentors anymore, because, I mean, we're God Slayers. I'm pretty sure we don't need a teacher. We are the teacher, essentially. Well, I mean, you could also you also kind of have to look at it from a from a larger picture. You know, if they were to dissolve the vanguard, you kind of also dissolve the military command structure of the van of the guardian. It's like before we had the vanguard, you had the warlord, and you had the risen, and you had chaos, and you know, I mean, to be honest, the risen were not very nice guys. You know, they would pillage and kill and do whatever they needed to to survive. The Vanguard served two different purposes. You know, it served as a a mentorship. It served as almost a school in a sense, an academy. But it also served as a military command structure. And if you exalt, if you destroy that, if you step down and just eh, don't worry about it no more, how do you coordinate against all the thing, all the dangers that we face currently in the system? That that is a that's a good uh, good question. Yeah, that's something that I haven't really thought about. I mean, because like exactly, you get rid of the the one people who are in charge of everything, then everybody just kind of does their own thing, and then it it resorts back to chaos. But I don't know, I don't know. So, let me ask you this question: Do you think that the traveler is going to do anything like it did with with Gaul back in? Uh, D2 Vanilla, where when Gaul was taking the light and he was using it for himself, the Traveler essentially sucked all that light back in, uh, sucked all of the Gaul, Gaul, blah, 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 damn, 
sucked all of Gaul's light out of Gaul back into the Traveler, and then he dispersed it into the other Guardians that needed their light. Do you think he's going to do anything essentially that drastic if if we ever need it? Or do you think that the Traveler is just going to let us take care of 99% of it? Well, I'm pretty sure that's the only way the Traveler can act, period. You know, the if the Traveler could act on his own, if he could, if he, she, whatever, if it was capable of doing anything physically on its own behalf, it would have done so already. Right. So far, all it seems capable of doing is, you know, giving the light or even technology or knowledge. You know, we still don't know really a whole lot about the Golden Age. We know certain aspects of the Golden Age. We know kind of what humanity did. But we don't – they've never explicitly explained how we gained all that technology and all those things from the Traveler being here. So I think there's a really good chance that it also bestows knowledge, not just the power of the light. And seeing as seeing what happened with uh, the fallen, you know, it, it had to find the fallen, and it gave the fallen light. And then I assume that they came in contact with the darkness, and the darkness wiped them out. And so when the traveler ran to Earth, you know, the fallen, well, followed, and humans got the light. Well, now it's like I have a feeling that the only way it can act is through the humans or through whoever it gives the light to. Okay, so, all right, that, that pretty much sums everything up as best as I can think of. So, speaking of the darkness, uh, the ships, the tetrahedron ships that, that we have seen since, I don't know, D1 and Visions and stuff like that, do you think that they are the ships of the darkness? As in, because that would have to basis the fact that the darkness is a, essentially a creature, it's not a a godlike entity like the traveler, or do you think that the ships are the pretty much what we are to the light that they you know the ships hold the warriors of darkness, or the ships themselves are the darkness, you know, just like the traveler itself is the light, you know what I mean. Or the, the, the ships bring the darkness, and it doesn't – it could be a force just the same way a light a light is a force. Mm -hmm. I mean because – I mean you think about it. We, we've seen you know, vast amounts of ships, of these tetrahedron ships, and there's only ever been one traveler as far as we know. And so I mean why would they need – I would think that you know, for the darkness, one big ship – would be the best idea well, instead of spreading it out. If you really think about it, think about to every hero, movie, book, comic, whatever, whatever media it came to you in, it's always the lone hero standing against the vast armies of darkness. So you can kind of think of it in those terms, you know, you, where you have one light, one beacon of light, you have an infinite number of bits of darkness. Mm -hmm. I got you. So, I mean, yeah, that's, that's how it always, God, that, that you're right. That is pretty much how it always is in any, any form of media that you watch. And Bungie. And I mean, as you know, I've been a part of the seventh column for, uh, I think I was 12. I'm now 29. So, I mean, 
we're staring down the barrel of 20 years. I've been following Bungie as a game developer, and they like that kind of stuff. They've always done that kind of stuff. Um, you can you can see several allusions to things like that in Halo. I mean, even in Halo, it was one man versus the entire army of the Covenant, and it was one man versus the entire horde of Fallen or Fallen uh, Flood. You know, and it's they always have that kind of that kind of story to them. And so you can kind of, and it's, it's honestly no different with a lot of different game developers. You can always see subtle similarities between their, their different IPs and their different titles. And so you, you look at what Bungie likes to do and Bungie has always had a very, sometimes subtle, sometimes not so subtle, but almost a religious undertone, mm-hmm. just not religious in the sense of, you know, the religions we have here in real world. You know, they have their own kind of ideals, their own kind of dogma to it. And so you can you can almost look at the Vanguard itself as kind of a religion. You know, you hear Ikora make comments about that all the time, about, I don't want to necessarily say worshipping the light, but in essence, it's the same concept. Um, and Bungie's done that a lot. Um, so the idea that the Traveler being the lone hero, now I know that the Traveler ultimately makes its own army, but if you think of the darkness as a horde, I mean, honestly, I've always tied the hive to the darkness the closest, and I think we've Bungie's even confirmed that they're pretty much the closest to the darkness of all the enemies that we fight. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of in that same context where it's just a numberless, infinite horde of enemies, and so that's what I kind of see the darkness as being in itself. While you turn around and you have that one singular good guy standing in the way shielding earth but to do so he had to give his power to others as well got you okay yeah, so a little bit of a step away from what we had seen in halo with master chief because master chief was he was the only person to to pretty much defend everybody and then yeah there was the the arbiter that came and helped out later on when the uh what is it when the when the elites broke away from from uh, from high charity, but yeah, I mean, yeah, like it's like I was just saying that this is probably a good step away. The fact that it's no longer just one well, person. There, there you go in itself. You just listed another one. You can draw a pretty decent parallel between the great system where the elites left the covenant to seems like the fallen are starting to kind of pick up the human side. At least one or two of them. Yep, yep, because we have Mithrax. Typically where one goes, more to follow. Yep. Yeah, I mean, because we had Varix in House Judgment, um, the the Captain uh, Mithrax, who's running around, who's, yep. part, who's part of a fire team with, I think, a Hunter and a Warlock. And, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, same thing with the Covenant, that they're just slowly, or I should say the same thing with the Elites, where they're slowly kind of pulling over. We'll definitely see. I, I'm excited to see what they're going to do about about the fallen because of the fact that at the end of the most loyal lore book, uh, Varix claimed himself to be the new Kell of Kells, and so he's going to correct going to try and pull all the different houses under his banner, and so we'll see if that is going to be help the humans, help the guardians, or the guardians are not good in having the uh, in having the light and so the elixni the fallen are gonna try and take it back 
Well, you know, I look, I honestly look at, um, I look at Ferrix and I don't, I don't really see him as being malicious in his intentions. Um, I know that quite frankly, his actions ultimately led to Cade's death. And I think that that probably left a bad taste in a lot of, uh, players mouths because I mean, nobody wants to give up Nathan Fillion. Nope. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, you know, he, if you read his lore cards, you see he's genuinely very worried about not only the, the Awoken population, but also the human population. Vanguard, um, he's always been very willing to help. And so with him proclaiming to be Kale of Kells and trying to group all of the Fallen together, I'm sure he'll want his, his due because I, I don't think the Fallen are the type to do anything for free. But at the same time, when you're staring down the barrel of a cosmic entity that, for all for all accounts, just wipes out everything in its path, we, nobody really has the option for sides anymore. Right. So it's kind of like you either help the cause or we're all going to get wiped out. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Oh, yeah, good stuff. And so let's let's move on a little bit. Um, you know, talking about Cade and Cade's. When you do the the Ace in the Hole uh, quest step, you get all of his little his little um, journal entries that he left to everybody who killed him. You know, potentially whoever killed him. And one of the things that he talks about is the Deepstone Crypt. Now we know that the Deepstone Crypt is a part of Bray Industries, part of Bray Tech, and they are responsible for resetting all of the uh, all of the exos. We give them their numbers: Cade uh, Six, Taco Three, Banshee Forty Four. Now, now the big thing is that when Cade is talking about the Deepstone Crypt, he doesn't he doesn't sound happy, obviously, and it makes me wonder what. What what that means? What like does does the uh, like is the Deepstone Crypt something that we as the Guardian need to worry about? What do you think? Um, I think it could end up being a big problem um, for a couple of different reasons because there were several mentions that if you look real deep, and I remember watching a video, I believe it was Bife that put it out. Um, he talked a lot about the Deepstone Crypt. And one of the, one of the things was, you know, when, when the exos would go through their, uh, their reset process or when they would be they were originally used as, I guess, I guess you'd call them soldiers for hire in a sense or, or mercenaries. Yep. And they were sent out to do these things Well, they would be brought back and they would have their minds wiped because the company didn't want them remembering any of it. Right. Well, that shows a pretty decent amount of control over the exos. And Bungie just reintroduced Braytech into the universe, not just in, you know, guns we found left behind. You know, with uh, Warmind, Anna is now, uh, I don't want to say in control of Rasputin, but she's, I guess, in a sense, working with Rasputin. And if you have their greatest invention, their greatest creation, she probably will be able to, or Rasputin could even have access to other creations such as the Deepstone Crypt, such as the Exo. 
Uh, so we could see a problem with exos ultimately being, I guess you could say, controlled. I don't know how that would work for a player base. Um, it would be it would be kind of along the same lines we were talking about earlier with the whole idea of Dark Guardians. It would cause kind of a problem for gameplay, but you could definitely see what kind of effects would happen to non-Guardian characters. I mean, there are quite a few Exos roaming around out there that are not Guardians. Mm-hmm. But they're still there, and if they were to be taken control of, if someone were to take them and use them for their own purposes, it could cause a lot of problems with Vanguard. Gotcha. Now, another thing, another yeah, another thing is the fact that when Cade brought it up, he also brought up the fact of the long, slow whisper. Just spitball here. Tell me what you think that is, because I don't. I have no fucking clue. I couldn't tell you. Honestly, I mean, there's, I've heard a couple of theories. Um, I honestly have no idea. Nothing at all? Nothing at all. I honestly don't. Um, I've heard the term mentioned a lot. Um, none of the theories seem very interesting to me. I feel like it's one of those things that Destiny, or Destiny, that Bungie is going to hold real close to the chest. And it'll probably end up being a big plot reveal that'll probably smack players right in the face. I got you. So, and Kate actually brought it up to uh, when he left the entry for for Petra for Petra Venge. He said, you "Tell um, Paladin whoever," and it was a code for "It's on in silly in." Enceladus. Yeah, I hate that name. I know, I hate that word. <laughs> and it's on enchilada. Yeah, it's on enchilada. And yeah, we'll go with that. What we know about about that that moon, which is uh, one of Saturn's moons, is that it's extremely cold. And that's where uh, I mean, he doesn't he doesn't say where it is, or he doesn't say what's there. I should say. So, I mean, it could be the Deepstone Crypt, it could be something else, it could be a cache of weapons, because that's that's Cade's style, is to leave a cache of weapons for, for whoever to find. Now, my big thing is, why, would, why do you think Cade would send Petra to go and investigate, and not us, the Guardian? Now, they didn't, during the event of Forsaken... When we lost Cade and when Petra was visibly pissed, they still didn't really cover a lot about their relationship. I think there was more to it than Bungie even really let on, or they may have cut it. I'm not sure. But for some reason, Cade trusted Petra a lot. Right. And he believed for some reason that Petra would carry out what needed to be done after he was gone. Right. And I really feel like he had it fully intended on doing something about the, the Deepstone Crypt, doing something about the Exos, but I feel like his work with the Vanguard stalled him from doing that. I mean, you know, since our Guardian was red, think of all the different things that have come to pass. You know, I mean, they there are several characters that are several hundred years old that have been sitting there and, you know, it's relatively quiet until for some reason our guardian gets picked up and suddenly every God and, and asshole in the universe wants to come after us. Right. So, you know, there wasn't a lot of time for K 
Cade's personal vendetta or his personal bit. And so he probably intended Petra to carry that out in the event of his death. And it just so happens that his death also brought about some big problems for her as well. Okay. Now, do you think that we're ever going to go to the moon enchilada? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I hear it's made of cheese. <laughs> no, uh, I do. I do absolutely think that we're going to go. Intelatus, Intelatus. We'll, we'll be there. We will definitely go there. Now, one thing I don't want everybody to think, just automatically assume, I don't want everybody to automatically assume that the Deepstone Crypt or something really just in your face is there. I think it's much more likely that Cade hid knowledge there. He probably left a journal, which we know he likes to do. Mm-hmm. He probably left information. It was probably an information cache that he knew nobody would find it on an ice ball in the middle of nowhere. And so he hid it there for anyone else that he tells to go find it to find and to use and to ultimately take down the Deepstone Crypt, Braytech, whoever the hell he was trying to get at. Right. All right. All right. Yeah, so we talked about Deepstone Crypt. We got the Moon Enchilada, Enceladus, whatever it is. Enceladus. Let's go with it. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. Now, another thing that Cade, like we said, Cade likes to leave his information out. He likes to hide it in the most random places. And in D1, there was the Cade stash mission where it was a little little Easter egg thing that was there that not a lot of people got to see. And I honestly, you brought it up to my attention and I had to go and look it up. And that was the Sleeping Guardian. Oh, yeah. Now, the Sleeping Guardian, a lot of people have made reference uh, that the Sleeping Guardian is, is Master Chief. And see if I can pull it up real quick. Yeah, because of the fact that he, uh, or your ghost, you, you know, the ghost that you, that is your friend or whatever, said that he tried to resurrect him before he resurrected you. And he didn't want to. And I, I don't know. Like, I, I think that it's pretty interesting that one, someone could tell a ghost that he didn't want to be resurrected. And I don't know. I, um, well, it's like we, you and I had a conversation about this once before. And, you know, in gameplay, when you die, Nine times out of ten, depending on where you are. I mean, if you're if you're in a no respawn location or whatever, you actually have to press the button to revive yourself. You have to press X. Right. So, and I know I'm kind of going against what I was talking about earlier, where you know, Crucible is a is a gameplay mechanic more than it is a, a story mechanic. I still think Bungie was trying to insinuate that there is a conscious. A uh, what's the word? Oh man, the word I'm looking for. The guardian has to want to be revived. The guardian has to initiate or to accept. Well, the ghost initiates. The guardian accepts. And so you know, the ghost flies over you, and his little ball opens up, and he sits there on your body, and it's like, okay, I'm ready to go. And so you revive. And we have we've seen 
uh, lore tabs that also discuss Guardians that didn't want to come back. Um, but with this one in particular, I did think it was very interesting that he didn't want to be revived. Um, there are some people that just think it's an Easter egg. There are other people who think it's a plot point that'll come in later. With Bungie, it could be both. It could be either. I mean, we don't really know. We don't really know what they're planning on doing with that. Yeah, one of the if big, anything at all. Yeah, one of the big things that uh, Destiny seems to like to do is to throw out a little something that, like an Easter egg, and see how people react. And that if you get a lot of reaction from it, then they may try and slip it into uh, in, into the story later on down the road. But if they don't, if people don't get a lot of reaction from it, then they can always fall back and say, oh, well, it was just an Easter egg. It was just there for the fun of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Bungie has always been very oh, – okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop myself before saying that. <laughs> Bungie initially was very good about listening to their community. You know, during the days of Halo, a lot of good things came out of the community. I think more than the community even realized I mean, everything from people wanting the assault rifle to come back in Halo 3 to uh, Rooster Teeth getting pretty much brought in under the Bungie umbrella. I mean, they, they put the voice actors from Red vs. Blue in the game. You know, I mean, they were they were very good with their community and they wanted their community very involved. And so I would not put it past them at all to use small little eggs in there to see if we would like it. You know, uh, when we first came into D2, I think Savathun was mentioned once or twice in a, in a strut. But that was really the extent of it. Well, all of a sudden, everybody and their brother was freaking out. Like, who, who the hell is Savathun? Well, Bungie took that and went, all right, they like this one. Let's start building on it. And so I wouldn't be surprised if that was the case. Um, I'm not sure. Have you heard the theory that was put forth about Sleeping Guardian? No. What's that? Uh, a lot of people think that it was a reference to the Master Chief. Right. Okay. Um, as you know, Bungie split away from Microsoft and ventured out onto their own, signed with Activision, and started developing Destiny. But one thing we know is Bungie had actually put an Easter egg for Destiny in uh, Halo ODST, what, I believe it was back in 2009, <laughs> 8? Yeah. I can't remember exactly when it came out. But, I mean, that was five, six years before Destiny even came. It was before Bungie had even split with Microsoft because they hadn't even made Halo Reach yet, which they were under contract for. So Destiny had been in the works for a very long time. Well, after they left Microsoft wanting to venture out and make Destiny, three, four, uh, Microsoft created 343 Industries to continue the Halo line. I have a feeling that it's a really good point or a really good chance that – Bungie was trying to kind of poke fun at Microsoft because, to be honest, Halo 4 had a decent release and decent reception. Halo 5 did not at all. Halo 5 has been chastised in every way you could possibly imagine. And so then you have Bungie putting out Destiny 2. Actually, I believe this was in Destiny 1 anyway, but at this point, you have Bungie basically saying you should have just let Master Chief sleep. You know, he's a hero, he's done his duty, he's done his bit, it's over, it's done, let him sleep. It's almost like, don't continue it, you're just tarnishing memory. You know, you have so thousands upon millions upon thousands of people 
who have played Halo who can who can think back to when we did land parties in Halo One to when we first got our taste of Xbox Live in Halo Two, and you're with bad games come good memories that are being tarnished. And so I think this was a dig at Microsoft and at 343 Industries to you should have just let him sleep. Now, that's funny because the fact that you and I are pretty ecstatic about Halo Infinite um, and just seeing what, what 343 is going to do with it because they everybody's saying that it's going to go back to the good old Halo days. And what do you think? We'll, oh, we'll, we're talking about Infinite? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. What, what do you what do you think? Uh, we'll, we'll kind of jump jump off the rails here. What do you think? Infinite is going to be. Do you think? Do you think it's going to be good? Oh, um, <laughs> I. Well, I mean, they have already. Three four three industries already came forth and stated that they are going to fix several things about Halo that they had kind of, you know, taken a step away from. Uh, Halo Five did not feature any kind of split screen or co op play on the same Xbox. Well, they're going to go back to that. They're bringing that back. Um, there was a lot of negative response to Master Chief's armor from Halo 4, Halo 5. Um, there was a gameplay explanation as to why his armor changed, but it was kind of a thin one, to be honest. And so with that negative reception, they're bringing in uh, – they're bringing it kind of back to the Halo 2 Master Chief, mm-hmm. yeah, the very dark uh, the olive green um, – and the very, I don't want to say plain armor, but just the classic armor, the classic Mjolnir armor. Um, they've also said that they will not be featuring any other playable character except for Master Chief as in terms of the campaign, which was a big problem for Halo fans. They focused far too much on Agent Locke and Halo 5, and it was not a good thing. Um, no one re- It's not that no one liked him, I guess. No one wanted him to be the hero. I mean, it's Master Chief. We've all, most of us have been on a you know fifteen year ride with this guy. I don't want to see him turned into a bad guy. And I don't like anybody that thinks they're bad enough to punch him in the head. <laughs> so it's like, no, we don't want to play as Lock. We want to play as Master Chief. And so they're bringing that back. I don't know if they're going to feature Blue Team. I think Blue Team was a good addition, but I think they. The attempt at that co-op was a little forced, and if you just had them as campaign or not campaign as uh, cinematic characters or just they're there, their presence is felt, their words are heard. I think that would play very well. But I see good things. I have a lot of high hopes. Um, you know, unfortunately, people like you and I have become somewhat jaded to the gaming community, and so it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to sit here and be like, oh yeah, it's going to be great. Because I said that about Destiny 2, and we all know the tragic end of that story. Yeah. yeah. We all know how Vanilla came out. It was it, it fell on its face. But at the same time, you look at Bungie, and you look at 343, and you look at these game companies that are sitting there. First of all, we have to move past the evil overlord uh, game, uh, game publishers. we got to let them go. we got to get away from that. You look back to just about any great game that has ever come out and while yes it had to be published and i'm sure there were restrictions most of them are made by the developer and then the developer is like hey go print this on a disc 
And that's where we get these great games. But when you have this micromanaging guy who's sitting there going, okay, I like that idea, but I want you to do this. And the developer, the actual ones who are creating things are sitting there going, what? I, I didn't want to do that. And so we got to move past from that. Um, but as a whole, I think game developers are trying to. I mean, especially with like Bungie with splitting from Activision or I know 343 is a its parent company is Microsoft and you'll never beat that. Microsoft would pretty much go through hell to make sure that the Halo fans like Halo because without Halo, I don't really think Xbox would have made it, wouldn't have survived at all. Um, Because just about every other big name title, except maybe Gears of War, has been multi-console. So it's like, you know, without Halo, you don't have a console, or you didn't. You do now. I mean, now it doesn't matter. But um, I know I kind of went off a little bit there. But yes, I think Halo 6 is going to be great. Let's have fun. Yeah. And just just to... You know, we'll add to the little fire there before we jump back onto the rails. Um, three, four, three, and Microsoft both said that well, with the new Xbox that's supposed to be coming out <clears throat> next year, twenty twenty one. I can't remember when they said it was supposed to be released. That you will get infinite with it, and so I'm I'm pretty. You know, I just bought my one X, so I really don't want to have to buy a new console. Anytime soon. Don't even go there with me. <laughs> what what do you what do you think about about that? I fully understand that first of all, the technology curve is folding in on itself at this point. You know, you and I were both pushing thirty. We grew up when it was so cool to have a telephone in your bedroom. You know, uh, you and I grew up getting yelled at by our moms and dads to get the hell off the internet because they needed to make a phone call. <laughs> you know, I mean, you and I did those things, and I, I'm not trying to sound like too much of a pappy here, but, you know, a lot of kids now, they have no idea. When you say make a phone call on the internet, they're like, I have no idea what you're talking But it's like technology is, is curving in on itself now because, I mean, come on, man, last year, games looked – you go back and you look at a game that came out a year ago and you're like, ugh, look at those graphics. It's because they're improving so fast. Game technology, or not even game technology, any technology is improving at ridiculously high rates. And that's forcing, I mean, we can talk about the cell phone market. You know, I mean, I literally, literally a month ago went and bought a Samsung Note 9. My wife and I, we moved to another, another carrier until we got a new phone. Two days later, Samsung releases the S10. Yeah. And I mean, I almost hucked my phone out the window because I was like, you've got to be kidding. Now, I would never pay the price tag for that phone. It's atrocious. But you can look at that in video games. We have not seen an actual, honest-to-God, fully brand-new console drop since the Switch. You know, PlayStation has been sitting on PS4. Xbox has been sitting on Xbox One. And there have been plenty of variations, but, you know, a spade's a spade. It's still an Xbox One. And I love the Xbox One X because I love the features that they added to it. I love how powerful it is. But if Microsoft makes me buy another damn console next year, I'm going to... F- I, just, I just got the One X. I've had an Xbox One. I had the Xbox One S for a while. 
But I just – and my wife will kill me if I try to buy it. If I if I even bring it up, she tries to throw something in my head. <laughs> so Microsoft had better get smart. Actually, you know what? Every game game company better get smart. If you're going to release uh, titles as flagships for new consoles, I suggest you do backward compatibility the way we used to. Where when a new console just came out like, – let's take 360 for instance. It first came out, you had games for the 360 and the same game for the Xbox uh, – Classic. You have to do that for a while, and not forever. You know, you give you give consumers time, but not. A, I guarantee you that console is going to come out for close to a thousand dollars. So a lot of us, especially when you start getting into the teenage generations, they're not paying a thousand dollars, and their parents are going to look like them. They're smoking something fun. <laughs> so that's uh, it. Can come out. The new Xbox can come out with place with Halo Six. But it better come out for Xbox One X too. Yeah, agreed. That's all I'm gonna say. All right, all right. So we we kind of all right. We had a good we had a good jump <laughs> off the, rail. the rails. Back back onto the rails. Okay, so let's talk about someone who a lot of people think are dead. Uh, Saint fourteen. Saint fourteen was the vanguard. Uh, he was the vanguard commander before Zavala. Um, he was the right hand of the speaker. Creepy, creepily enough, he would call the speaker father, um, even though they were not related. And we found his body, or at least you know, you know, they say it was his body in the vault of glass. Now, do you think that he is entirely dead, or do you think that? I mean, let's safe to say. I mean, he's just waiting to be to be rezzed again. Anything that the Saint 14 that we know or that we heard of is dead. Okay. I guarantee he was wiped out by the infinite droves in the infinite forest. However, when talking about the Vex, that gets a little tricky. So we know that the Vex are time travelers. We, of course, have encountered three different different <laughs> three different forms of Vex. And so with that being said. Who's to say, or who's to say that he is dead? I mean, I personally think he probably is, and what we see in the vault, or in, I'm sorry, not in the vault, in the forest, is very likely a simulation of him. Mm-hmm. But that's not to say that simulation can't be real. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it's just as real when you're fighting enemies inside the forest. So just because it's a simulation doesn't mean he's not real, and it doesn't necessarily mean he couldn't come out of the forest. Gotcha. Now it would it would be totally awesome to to have Saint Fourteen come back because as of we know he's the only person to headbutt and kill a Kel with a headbutt. Everyone else has either not tried or died, um, and it would be extremely cool just to see. I mean, it's it's just like, I mean, it's kind of I guess it's kind of dark to say this, but it's just like you know, you having your grandfather come back after so many years that. You, he gets to look around and go, "What's going on here?" You know, back in my day, everything was was, well, was this and, and that. You know, barring barring my disappointment in his appearance, that's kind of what it felt like when we first saw Osiris. You know, is like he was this incredibly enigmatic, good lord, incredibly mysterious. 
We'll go with that. Yeah, sure, we'll go with that. Incred- <laughs> incredibly mysterious, <laughs> mythical figure that has been churched up since the beginning of D1. And to finally see him, first of all, seeing him in that cutscene with the full armor, I mean, you want to talk nerdgasm. It was like, holy crap, this dude's going to be awesome. When he took the mask off and I realized he looked closer to Danny DeVito than anything, it was a little disappointing. <laughs> I don't think he but, looked like Danny DeVito, but all right. Well, you know, if you're bald. But the point is, I was not impressed with his appearance, but it's that same it's that same idea. You know, you got to meet this incredibly mythical figure. And I feel like that's probably going to happen a lot in Destiny because I think, you know, one of the main reoccurring themes in Destiny is the fact that nothing that is dead stays dead. Yep. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the basis for your entire existence within the game. So it's like, I mean, yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of people throwing around the idea of a of another Atheon. I've heard a lot of people throwing around the idea of uh, Oryx somehow, like even just a form of Oryx. Like, I mean, you know, the Hive, death is a big thing to the Hive. So how do we know they can't bring him back in some fate, shape or fashion? But it's like, Absolutely. I absolutely think that Saint-14 will probably make a reappearance. You know, and I know I know Bungie wants us to believe that the Speaker's dead, but I still don't buy that. You know, his apparent death was so anticlimactic. Yeah. I cannot believe for a moment that you would kill off a character voiced by Bill Nye that quickly and that simply. So, I mean, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I agree. Oh. Speaking of another person who is dead, but not really dead, um, Eris Morn. Eris, yeah. Eris Morn. Um, just start. Simple question: Where, where is she? Where she be? Uh, you know, I know there's some lore cards involving Eris, and I'm not gonna lie, I haven't seen. Um, I had to take a, sm- a temporary hiatus from Destiny. Everybody, I got a job. Everybody, say hi. Yep, this guy <laughs> working. But I know for a fact that there has been communication between Eris and Mara. Um, I think it is, especially given the fact that Mara is chilling inside an ascendant plane. I think it's highly probable that Eris has been running some kind of mission for Mara, be it to the Nine, be it to the Hive. I mean, she's very closely tied to the Hive, so, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if she sent her undercover toward uh, with Savathun, figure something out. I mean, I couldn't tell you exactly where, but I know that she's going to be making a reappearance and hopefully not screaming, Crota! <laughs> God, I hated that so much. So, I mean, but yeah, I, I feel like we're going to see her again. Um, you probably know more about the lore cards involving Eris than I do. Yeah, I mean, it's as far as as far as I've been able to see, uh, she's been working with Mara for a while. Um, and, I, but the thing is, you don't know exactly when. We don't know when it started. And I would love to know when it started because of the fact that that would give me, I would like to be able to go back and see you know, play Destiny 1 again and go, and there, right there is when she started to work for somebody else. 
But well, I mean, if I'm not mistaken, Eretz are always had a tie to the queen because she wasn't awoken. So I mean, she's all she probably. You know, it's weird because you see Zavala, and he has no Down. give a crap about the awoken at all. Like he, I don't think he could give two shits. So it's like it's it's interesting to see that, but at the same time, most of the other awoken that you've seen in game, barring playable characters they all have some kind of allegiance or some kind of uh loyalty to the queen and so i'm sure she's been ultimately working for the queen the whole time but then you look at you know the events of the dark below it probably didn't involve however if you kind of think about it and you kind of start piecing this together what happened when we killed crow uh it sent a shockwave through the universe and then Oryx came and essentially tried. Daddy. Yeah, he tried to whip our ass, and we bitch slapped him. Well, but the, but the thing is, Daddy came running. You know, he's like, you hurt my baby, I'm coming. So he shows up. Well, then Mara jumps in the way and ultimately is, air quotes, killed. But we know now that it was it the whole time was part of her plan. Yeah. So with that being said, with Eris coming to you saying that Crota needed to be dealt with, for all we knew, quite honestly, Crota had been chilling on the moon, drinking tea and eating crumpets and doing nothing bad. He killed all the Guardians. It didn't matter anymore. He had no real intention on attacking Earth. He was just chilling in his throne room. Didn't care. But she sent us up there. And by sending us up there, we sent said shockwave through the, through the universe and brought Daddy to us which led to Mara being put into the Ascendant Realm, which led to Mara fighting to become ultimately the pagan queen. So I feel like it was all part of one overreaching story arc. We just haven't picked that up yet. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. It's pretty interesting. Now, speaking of... Well, so well, Eris working for Mara, and we know that <clears throat> Prince Aldrin had a very, a very, honestly, it's very sketchy codependency on Mara. Like, he could not function without her. Levels of Game of Thrones in there. Game of Thrones, and, you know, it's been made fun of in Supernatural, too, where the Winchesters cannot function without each other. Um, I was going more for, toward the, uh... <laughs> towards the, you know, the, the Lannister. Type, all right. <laughs> towards the Lannister style of things. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, that, that's the one. But then again, I mean, we know that Mara doesn't play for that team, so I mean, eh. it's true. It's true. To each their own. She does. She does like her uh, her queen's wraths. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nothing. I mean, hey, to each their own. Everybody needs love. Everybody needs love. Oh, uh, Ex Except anyway. except for Aldrin, he doesn't deserve love. Anyway, um, mm, quite true. And so, the whole thing of the whole thing of Cade's um, Vanguard dare was to whoever can kill me, to whoever killed me, you become the new Vanguard, uh, the new Hunter Vanguard. Now, there a lot of people are. I mean, we've seen the uh, the video of Aldrin coming back as a Guardian. Um, there has been pretty much almost Alpha Beta Destiny, where Aldrin was supposed to be one of the main uh, antagonists. 
but that got scrapped. Correct. Yeah, that got scrapped, and then he became the Queen's brother later on. And in the early artwork for Aldrin, it was really, really cool. It was, it was the fact that Aldrin had his cloak that he has now, and he had like a sawed-off shotgun that was like on his sh on the on his back, and it looked super dope. Um, but you know, the whole thing of Cade's vanguard there is you had to be a guardian, essentially. Now, do you think that Aldrin? will be the the hunter vanguard maybe not right now because he just rose um he has yet to come to the tower but do you think that down the road he's going to become the the hunter vanguard and if so well, how do you feel about that well first of all cotton i'd have no good feelings about that <laughs> none at all it tickles me in every one of my wrong thoughts no 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 but honestly that was my first reaction to when, I mean, you know, they leaked it prior to actually getting there to her throne room and seeing the cutscene. Um, when I first saw it, that was where my brain went first. And I, and I remember that because I texted you and I remember you were like, Oh, I, don't, I didn't think about that. And it was like, yeah, man, this is going to suck. But a few people have kind of turned me off to the idea because you have a couple of different things while Aldrin if you think about it tactically, he's been in command of the crows. Right. Yeah, he, he's – from a military standpoint, he would be a great leader. I mean cut his hair, look a little less My Chemical Romance, and he'd be great. <laughs> but, the th but it's like he doesn't know how to be a guardian. So being – and it's like we were discussing earlier, the other side of the vanguard is they have to mentor the next coming generations, which is weird when you – ultimately live forever until somebody kills your ghost but the fact still remains he doesn't know how to do anything and so being a mentor wouldn't make any sense and i think bungie wanted us to think that they wanted to create that 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 feeling of oh god this guy who used to be a bad guy is going to be a good guy which technically could still happen but then they started talking about well Zavala and Ikora are talking about dismantling the Vanguard. Okay, so what if we see a complete overhaul to how the Vanguard is up? You know, less, you know, you, you can still have mentors. You can still have people who train more Guardians. And then, of course, you have Shacks and the Crucible, which, you know, that's what it's all about is training Guardians. So then you have, with Darkness obviously on the way, and I feel like all the Guardians can probably feel that coming. You're going to need people like Aldrin, who are a guardian, who can run military operation. Now, it's kind of like we discussed before, what happens when a guardian is rezzed for the first time? They have no memory of anything. So he's not Aldrin, technically. True. I mean, I've watched enough sci-fi body swapping shows to know you don't just because you look like the guy doesn't make you the guy. So it's kind of like, okay, so he's not going to be old now. With that being said, once the queen shows back up, which is inevitably going to happen, and she tells Aldrin who he actually is, which is inevitably going to happen, yep. that could cause problems, which is where I see Bungie leading you to, okay, Aldrin's a good guy for the next two games, and then Mara's going to come back, and she's going to screw all that up. Yeah, I can see that. So it's like I, I can I could totally see him both being both 
a good guy, a protagonist, so like a, a good side character for now. And of course, there's going to be mistrust. You know, your guardian, given the fact that it took Aldrin showing up and killing Cage to make your guardian talk in Destiny Two, I have a feeling it probably put him off his tee to see him again. Um, but we also we also have to discuss the fact of who do you think killed Aldrin. Yeah, a lot of people have been asking about that as to whether it was it was us or if it was Petra. Now I because it's a go ahead, go, go ahead. ahead, go no, go ahead, man. Oh no, I was just gonna say, you know, like we were discussing earlier about the light. I feel like it's an it's inherently good. So I could honestly see our guardian being like, you know what, I already beat this dude down. I killed that big meatball with teeth. We're good. Just lock him up. But Petra has absolutely none of that. I mean, she is a soldier, for Christ's sake. I mean, that's her whole purpose for being, and this dude has done nothing but piss her off. True, but... So, I could could see her, and what is she called? Queen of the Draft. Well, she's pissed, so I could totally see her being the one who killed Yeah. My my only thing about that is the fact that her purpose, yes, is to overall work for Mara. She she is responsible to Mara above all. But Aldrin is still the prince. He's still he's still royalty. And so, yes, while he did a lot of atrocities, a lot of bad things out there, I don't see I personally don't see Petra being the one to pull the trigger. Because while you're saying the light kind of held us held us back from killing Aldrin, I think it's her honor that held her back from killing Aldrin. That her honor is, you know, had she had the gun on him and in her mind going, I can't do this because of the fact that he is the queen's brother. I am loyal to the queen and she would not want me to kill her brother. And regardless of what he's done, I, I personally feel that that would trump anything. That her feeling towards Mara not wanting Aldrin to die would trump anything. But then you have to consider that even though he was under control of Riven, he corrupted the Dreaming City. His actions led to that. And the Dreaming City is their holy of holies. You know, it's it's their above all. You know, even the queen is subject to the Dreaming City. Yeah. And so... I mean, you're talking about a secret that they've kept guard, they kept guard over for millennia. So it's kind of like, okay, you pretty much just destroyed that. You let the barons out. You killed my friend. You kicked my puppy, and you kissed my sister. I don't. Ha- I'm not okay with you anymore. <laughs> and so, honor or not, I'd shoot the guy. Yeah, you know, he, what he? Yes, he was always a little bit of a douche, but. He was that tolerable douche. He was that guy that you were like, "Hey, you're gross. Go away." You know, and it's like it, it was. It was always great to watch your guardian throw the head of the gate lord down and watch him like, "Are you kidding me?" You know, it was great to see that because you know he was such a just a ugh, person. It was like, "Yeah, I get to one up this guy." But what he's done now since sends shockwaves and ramifications through the entirety of the Awoken. Like he committed the greatest sin. And so I think even – and to be honest, if you really think about it, in the Queen's absence, who is in command of the Awoken? That would be Aldrin. Mm-hmm. 
Actually, yeah, it, queen's, would, it would be the queen's wrath. It's a wrath. matriarchal society. Yeah. They're not going to follow a man. Yeah. So it would be Petra. She is in command of the Awoken as a whole. You know, and the only way she's even been able to talk to Mara is through the portal. So the thing is, yeah, she probably had to make that judgment call. And at the end of the day, yes, we as the player know that he was controlled by Rick. We know that. But did they? Did Petra? Did the Guardian in game? No. All you saw, like I said, was the meatball with teeth. And him, yeah, you saw him get eaten by it, but that doesn't... I mean, how many subjects and how many movies have you watched get killed by their master just because he was like, eh, I'm done with you? True. So you have no way of truly knowing that he didn't choose to do this all along. Yeah, I totally see Petra pulling that trick. Because he had royally screwed everything. Now, regardless of who pulled the trigger, I personally think that it was all part of Mara's plan that... Maybe, maybe not in the beginning, but I mean, now she has someone in in the guardian ranks, and yeah, he's Aldrin's not going to know. Maybe she, maybe Mara doesn't know that. Oh no, she, I, I take it back because she does know that when a guardian is resurrected, he they they don't remember anything because there was a there was a card in the Awoken of the Reef booklet where they had they brought a an Awoken back who was resurrected as a guardian, but he didn't remember who he was, his family or anything like that. And the Awoken essentially studied him until he got away. But it, I wonder if Mara looks at this as a, okay, I have someone on the inside now. He may not know that he's working for me, but I'm going to slowly work my way to help him rem to remind him or, to win him over so that he works for me while being in the, um, in the guardian ranks. Yeah. And I, I could see that. I could definitely, I would, but then again, technically, if you, if you want to look at it this way, you kind of already had that in Eris. You True. know, Eris was more than permitted on the tower. Yeah. I mean, again, creepy, but, Welcome. Yeah, you're right. I mean, she and I mean, was... how many how many times did the queen send Petra to the tower in D one? You know, Petra was constantly in the tower every time we did Queen's Wrath. So it was like I, I I feel like I'm still not sold on Mara being evil per se. I know she has her own agenda, but I also don't think in any way that she wants to screw over the tower and the humans because at the end of the day, it's just like we talked about with the Fallen. We're all in this fight at this point. Yep. And for Mara, I have a feeling she's looking at this as with the power of the Taken, you know, I can res everything we kill, I bring it back, and it's mine now. You know, it's like playing a necromancer. You know, it's like, your guys are my guys. So what are we going to do? And so I feel like this is a power play for that fight. She, you know she knows it's coming. She's always known it's coming. Mm-hmm. And seeing how far ahead she looked, if my theory on Eris is correct, and that's the whole reason she said that's to Crota, this woman plays the really long con, and I don't even think we're halfway through it. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, I totally agree. All right. Well, that's pretty much all I had. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about? You know, I was actually looking at some stuff. Um the other day 
uh, just a couple little questions. Like um, uh, one guy was talking about, he was curious, where is Siva now that after we defeated, uh, uh, what's his name? Axis. Yeah. After we defeated him, what's up with Siva now? I mean, I don't remember per se. Actually, I don't even know if I finished that raid. I don't think I did. We didn't. Um, yeah, I remember. I remember we got the last right. we part. Didn't. We got tired. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, okay, so did we reseal it kind of the same way we did before? And if we did, great plan because it, it worked so well last time. Already. Exactly. So, I mean, I think that was actually a pretty decent question. I mean, I have a feeling we could definitely see Siva again. Don't get me wrong. I, I kind of hated Siva. I thought it was... For Bungie, to be honest, I feel like it was a bit of a cop-out. It's like, oh, you get a new enemy to fight. Hey, it's just the Fallen, but they're red. Oh, you mean like the Scorn? Uh, yeah, yeah, kind of similar. Oh, yay, it's the Fallen, but they're purple. <laughs> and now and they, they can, now they can teleport. Faster. Yeah. Basically Fallen with cancer. I mean, that's all that really is. <laughs> I mean, I'm trying to bash him or anything. I mean, the truth is, yes, I understand from a story purpose. And it, it did introduce us to the Iron Lords, which I do like the Iron Lords. And I know you did just drop the video on the Iron Lords. I need to go check that out. Um, it introduced us a little bit more to Iron Banner. Like, I mean, I know a lot of people played Iron Banner. And I remember when I first started playing Destiny, I, I kind of I saw Iron Banner as a very pinnacle game type. Yeah, I, you know me. I'm not a very competitive multiplayer person in Destiny. I'm on Halo, I'm gonna hit you in the head with a controller. But you know, with Destiny, it's like eh, I'll play a little bit here and there. And so I saw, I saw that as a very, very high level game type that I was not willing to play much. And then once it was kind of reintroduced a little more heavily with the Siva Crisis, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed the the story aspect as well as the hammers. You know, I love my hammers. I know. Because, I know you, know, you love I, the hammers my hammer but um yeah i mean I, I have a feeling that we'll definitely probably see that come back around somewhere i agree i agree because i mean like you said we i know that we did something to stop the the siva stop siva crisis but i mean is it really gone and you're you're, you're right that we have we have absolutely no clue long run if it's truly gone, we'll, we'll know when, uh, when the game's over. Well, not to mention the fact that if you really think about it, I know it kind of failed initially. But you know, remember a moment ago we were talking about Braytech and how Anna now is back at Braytech and have no idea what she's doing with Rasputin over there. But, you know, it wouldn't be a horrible thing to try to figure out how to make Siva actually work. No, no, it wouldn't. I mean, I just hope that they. I mean, I I I brought this up in the Iron Lords uh, podcast that I just did. Is that they're like the replicators in Stargate, where, oh dear. where yeah, their their overall design was a great a great thing, until they got too hungry, and whatever happened in their base code that messed them up. And I just hope that if Anna and Rasputin are both working on it, I hope that they're able to get around that. But even, you know, characters... Uh, I agree. Yeah. I agree. Um, because, I mean, because it's like, you know, you look at the city and it's as amazing and as great as the city is, it's obviously falling apart. You know, I mean, it's it's been beaten down year after year. I mean, we just watched the tower get blown up 
you know, and um, something like Siva, because its original intention was to build. Yep. It was supposed to be able to take shape and to instantly nearly build anything. It would be a great weapon. It would be a great as- uh, asset to the human. Um, one more thing, speaking of Siva, that I saw, and I really found it interesting because I never knew this. Uh, this one guy put out at, um, during that raid, during the Axis raid, um, if you look into the dormant SIVA clusters and put them in chrono- uh, chronological order, it builds a timeline, and you can look into Axis memory. And it says that Axis's me- uh, consciousness is not his own. Interesting. I know. I was sitting there going, okay, so we have two options here. One, someone is pulling the strings on Axis that we haven't heard of yet. So the Fallen, we've killed a lot of big Fallen. You know, we've killed a bunch of Kells, we've killed a bunch of servers, we've killed a bunch of those guys. But you've never truly seen anything like an actual fallen command structure. I mean Like other than I guess Ferrix. Yeah, I mean but we've we've had we've had the Kell, we've had the King uh was it Kell of Kells, King Kell or whatever, part of the King House. And he was supposed to be in charge of everybody, but yeah, it's not like it's not like the Cabal, where the Cabal are so rigid in their military structure that you know, I mean, besides the, the going with, you know, oh, this Valus and that Valus, we don't know who's who in comparison to that, but you were able to, each different house in the Cabal meant something. You could you could always look that up and figure out what what the House Dusk did, what the House, um, what the Sky Marchers did, and things like that. And so, yeah, you're right. With the Fallen, we know the House Judgment, they were the ones who were judge, jury, executioner. House King, were who were supposed to be the, the royal house, the one who was in charge of all the other Fallen houses. But everyone else, all the other Fallen, are just just under the, under the King. And so they could do, they ebbed and flowed. One was higher than the other, and then next week... You know, it, it got destroyed, and now it's this house, and it's it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was always very Game of Thrones. You no, know? I mean, it was always very. You know, uh, Lannisters take control today, Starks tomorrow, Tyrells the next day. I mean, it, it was very, very. What's the? It's not hierarchical. It's um. Eh, I can't remember the actual term for it. Hmm. Anyway. Oh. But yeah, it, but at the same time, but then again, you also your second choice is Axis tried to use the Siva to his own advantage, but inadvertently gave himself to Siva. And what we saw in Axis was Siva, like what he is Siva. You know what I mean? Right. Like he he is the representation of it. And when we were fighting him, we were actually fighting Siva as a whole. So if that's the case, I guess there is a possibility that we neutralize Siva. Because if that was Siva's central brain, we may have killed it. Right. But the only thing is, is Siva was originally created by a war mind. But we're going to say it's Rasputin. Everyone always says that there's more than one war mind. But we've pretty much, our character has debunked a lot of other war minds. Um, no, Anna, Anna debunked that flat out. Ah, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, during, during the war mind expansion, she always said straight up, any other war mind you encounter is just a fragment of Rasputin. Right. Okay. So, yeah. And so, and he was trapped on Mars, even though we thought he was trapped on earth. Yeah. We thought he was trapped everywhere. But, um, but yeah, I mean, so Siva was created by, by Rasputin 
to help, like like you said, what its original purpose was to help build infrastructure. And then something happened where it, it just didn't stop. And then once it got into Guardians, once it was able to latch itself onto a Guardian, like, you know, the Iron Lords, then it realized potential and just how strong thing it could essentially be. And so I am, you know, like we said, that Anna and Rasputin are kind of working together over at Braytech to figure out, you know, new and exciting things. Well, I'm pretty sure that Rasputin could always open up that file, you know, Mark Siva, and try and reset things and see if he could uh, control them again. And I wonder if, if you know, because we've, like, like I brought it up with Stargate, that you know, the smartest characters in that show always had a code that could stop the, re the replicators for a short period of time. And then they got around it. And so, I mean, I don't know in comparison to the intelligence base of Rasputin. I don't know how smart he is. If he can absolutely make a non-workaroundable patch. But, I mean, their whole purpose was to, be, was to get smarter over time. And I feel like they, no matter what anyone does they will take over they will regain themselves and be out on the loose again my and my the only reason i brought up the whole centralized brain idea is the fact that siva had never done something like that before i know siva had created uh what did uh what did saladin call them during the uh, when he was talking to you about Siva, when they, when he and the rest of the Lords initially went down, he called them like po uh, constructs. Yeah, that Siva had created constructs to fight against them, and Rasputin had aided them in doing so. But they had Siva was like you were just talking about. Siva was under the control of Rasputin at that time. Yeah, Siva's not anymore. Siva was its own entity at that point. Rasputin is trapped on Mars. Right. So. It's just, I don't know. I don't know if I buy into the whole, if one is still alive, more will come back. Or if that, like we said, Axis was that central brain and wiping him out, wiped out. See, it's, I, we may never see it again. I think I would like to, but I want to see it in a different capacity. I don't want to see it in that same, oh, the Fallen got Siva again. Damn those Fallen. You know, I, I want to see it. I want to see him do something a little different. Like, I wouldn't mind seeing Siva become an enemy rather than control a current enemy and just reskin them and run them the same as they were before. You know, let's see a Siva dog or a Siva soldier or uh, little playing things, what, whatever it may be. I feel like that would be really cool to fight. And, you know, I know, they, I know that Bungie tried really hard with uh, the Scorn, and while we make jokes, they are decently different than the Fallen. Um, it still would be very refreshing for Destiny to actually introduce a new enemy, even if it stems from an old enemy. Yeah. I mean, I... I feel like we all do, we all really need something to shake it up a little bit. I know, you know, we're getting to the point where we're Neo in the Matrix, just kind of batting them away, you know? Yeah, it's true. I mean, I remember when the Taken first came out, and it was not just a single archetype. It wasn't just the Fallen. It wasn't just the Hive. It wasn't just the Cabal. It was all of them, and then some. They had their own powers that made them different from their original. 
And so I personally think that the Taken are one of the best enemies that we had at the time. Oh, and I hate them. Oh, I, 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 I agree with you there. But I mean, you, you make a good point. I mean, it just by just by giving them new abilities, you shake up the player. You make them do something different. Hell, the take. Hell, the enemies in D two do things that are different from D one. Yeah. You know, I mean, there are several part, There are several bits to what they can do. Um. Uh, let's see. What's the, a good one? the fallen good run one? at you. They run past you. They skitter. Yes. Yeah. Well, and you know what? I remember that was a big deal. Um, I want to say with Halo Reach, Bungie was experimenting with a new kind of uh, enemy AI. Uh, whereas, you know, you play you play the original Halos, the Elite jumps out of a, from behind a box and he just stands there and shoot at, shoots at you while you blast him in the forehead. Yep. You know, and I mean, in the original Halo games, they just tried to overwhelm you with numbers. It wasn't so much a, you had to be tactical and sneaky and do things. Well, they started experimenting during Halo Reach with a, with new stuff. See, the elites would roll more and they would spin and they would jump and they would get out of the way of your bullets. And so it really shook up Halo players. Like it wasn't traditional. It wasn't, it wasn't the norm. And so it really messed with a lot of people. And I feel like that is one thing they did pretty well with Destiny is just change the characteristics of the enemies, move them around a little bit. Don't don't just have them pop out, shoot three little blue bolts at you, and then stand there while you kill them. You know uh, those uh, damn vandals when they skitter. Yeah, it's just like it's horrifying. Hell, when the when if they increase the amount of thrall, I mean the thrall are pretty much the same, but you never unless you were doing the dark below, you never saw that many thrall. Yeah. D2, it overwhelms you with thrall if you're not careful. And, you know, me, I'm the punch master, and I still I still get messed up by it. <laughs> but definitely keep the players guessing. Um, and, I, and again, uh, back to the track, I would like to see Tiva again. I think that'd be a good one. Right. Yeah. Other than that, I'd, I don't know, man. I think we pretty much covered just about everything. I expect – I'm pretty sure Death, or Bungie is going to release – more mysteries you know um currently with d2 i feel like they just kind of tried to wipe the slate clean a little bit you know a bunch of the d1 mysteries that they brought out you know just kind of like okay here you go this is what that was about cool you happy now let's start some new one yeah yeah i mean they, they definitely did that with uh with the with the exo stranger I mean, at the remember at the end of D one, we were like, "Who is the Exo Stranger? What what does she do? What does she mean?" And then in Destiny two, she's like, "Oh, that's Anna Bray's sister." And done. But then you have to question other things, such as, "Okay, it's Anna Bray's sister, right? Who the hell is she working for? Yeah. Why is she working for them? How does she seem to have the abilities that the Vex have? Absolutely. Why did you covet her gun so much and then it sucked so bad?" It always is. Yeah, I know. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's a good one. Um, actually, come to think of it, um, uh, what was... Uh, I lost my train of thought. That's never good. Oh, I know we're getting information, and I know we're getting bits and pieces here. But that's something we didn't touch on. What about the nine? So, okay. <clears throat> I know that you've been a little out of the loop. Um, yep. They have released a lot of lore um in the book called dusk and essentially what it is is they have described 
the nine as I don't even know how to describe it. I mean, they are not darkness, but they are antimatter. They are matter. They are the building blocks of everything, and they eventually came together over them over the eons, got powerful enough to create planets, and then from those planets, they those planets created life. And so they, in turn, got more powerful because there was life on these planets. So those creatures became, you know, a, a, an extension of them, an extension of the Nine. And so they kind of put the end to the question of, are the Nine the Nine Guardians that Petra ended up accidentally killing? Or are they Hive God? Or, you know, are they uh, worms or, or what have you? They are... I mean, I I would probably say that um, I think Evade had a very good video on it. It was either Evade or Bife. Those guys always make really good videos on it. Um, but yeah, I mean, they are primordial. They are almost godlike, but they're not powerful. Like they they can't do things like a god can. They just kind of push. So much like the Traveler. Yeah. Kind of like the Traveler, and they just don't have the ability to to do anything like the Traveler does. They they look at the Traveler and what the Traveler is able to do with the Light and the Guardians, and they want that. Or at least half oh, of them well, do. Join the club, right? Right. So they they in the lore booklet they come they came out and said that four of the nine want to have the same essentially the same powers as the Traveler. They want to be able to control. And do things like the Traveler does. While the other the other five of the nine want to create, want to amass all of their powers, all of that they are, into a black hole. Thus creating new planets. And the more planets they have, more planets that are made of them, the stronger that they get. And so it's that kind of division there of who's going to win. Is it going to be something that we're going to have to worry about? I don't know yet. I have a feeling we are going to have to worry about them because they have, they have never, other than Salad Face, they have never really, I don't want to, they've never really showed any benevolence. And I still don't even think that Sir, I, I know he's an agent of the Nine, but I kind of have a feeling that he's more of a rogue agent of the Nine. Actually, actually, he, to, to kind of counter that, they actually, in the booklet, they said that they, that the four who wanted to be like the Traveler created Zer so that Zer could come and talk to us, so that Zer could observe us and put us through okay. these, these trials, the Trial of the Nine, along with the Emissary, and so that the, the, the Nine could learn about life. They could learn about death. They could learn about power and all that stuff. Interesting. All right. But they were uh, Zer was created by the four who want to be like the Traveler. Zer wasn't created by all of the nine, just those four. Hopefully not in their image. I can't take any more solid faces. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I, it, it's hard enough to to be near him to get you know crappy exotics. I've I've never been very big on tentacles myself. <laughs>
right. But uh, no, that's okay. So I mean, Destiny seems to be doing a good job, maddeningly good job, of giving you information yet keeping the majority of it hidden. Yeah. And I say maddening because it is. It's, it's incredibly frustrating to be sitting there and you know you're like, oh, I'm playing this game and I love it. And you know, most games at the at the point that you play the second title, you get a lot of information, and Destiny's like, eh, kind of, sure, if you want to think of it that way. So, I mean, I, it's, I feel like it's good because it gives, the whole idea is to give that air of mystery, and I really enjoy it, and you know, you know, most of all, I desperately love the Destiny franchise, and I love Bungie, um, very excited about the future. Uh, seeing what they might be able to do without Activision's claws sunk in. Um, if you haven't been able to notice yet, uh, I do not like publishers. <laughs> I don't. I don't like what they do. Um, but uh, I, I have high hopes, and while I know that those hopes could come crashing down, I don't think they will, because I've been seeing glimpses of you know. 2004, 2007 Bungie, you know, bring me a game that's going to enthrall me and keep me coming back and be something that, you know, I, I mean, eventually I'm going to tell my kids about, you know, I grew up with my dad telling me about Mario and Zelda, and, you know, all the classics that he played, you know, I, I played my original Pokemon Blue on his uh, big gray brick Game Boy. So, I mean, you know, I, I would like to be able to do things like that for my kids and I feel like Bungie has given me two titles that are probably going to be heavily talked about in my home if my kid becomes a gamer. Agreed. All right. And probably wrap it up from there. That's a good good little stopping point there. Um, so, I think so. Yeah, absolutely. So, Insane, thank you for stopping by. Glad to, Absolutely. Glad to have you on. It's always good to have someone to talk to instead of just talking to myself here. Um, pretty sure people would enjoy someone new to listen to instead of just my usual ramblings. I talk to myself anyway, so it's all good, man. That's for, a all for it. That's for a different problem, but we're not going to get into that now. No, not now. <laughs> Alrighty. All right, and thank you. And with that marks the end of Rexy Gaming Chat. I want to thank everyone who stopped by and listened to us ramble on. And hopefully you all can like and subscribe over on Facebook, over on iTunes and Podbean, and hopefully you all will share Rexy Gaming Chat with all of your friends. And with that, I hope to see you all down on the road of life.